What is up, family? How we doing? Welcome to another episode of Preacher's Hour Podcast. Um, Church announcement. Uh, This is the last episode of 2021. So we're going to... I'm going to miss you guys so much. We're going to obviously... We're recording this during uh, Thanksgiving week. Mm -hmm. Okay, It's Monday for us. Um, And, uh, you know, we're going to enjoy our families, enjoy Thanksgiving. Um, And then... Christmas we Sunday. could maybe do one in December. It's just gonna be. It's just hard. To it's plan. gonna be crazy because, like, I mean, I'm going to South. I mean, my wife are going to South Africa. Yeah. With a bunch of people, um, and it's, I mean, it's just gonna be. It's the, it's the holidays. Yeah. So we're just gonna take a little hiatus. It'll still be season four when we come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So just so you guys know, there's this is gonna be it for a while, Man. for a few weeks at least. Um. So, yeah. Don't. Where are they at? Don't worry about it. It'll be all right. Be like, cool. Oh man, they got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll maybe we'll update you guys. Um, send you post some quick little you know Instagram videos. Hey, oh yeah, for just sure. Just checking in. Mm-hmm. We're still alive. Actually, going to be cool to uh, to get some video oh, while you're at uh, South I'm gonna Africa. I'm going to try to do as much yeah. pictures and stuff of South Africa and all that. So man, I kind of wish I'm. I'm a little sad that I'm not going. This You've time. been twice, uh, but you're fine. I never been with you though. That's right. different, bro. That'd have been legit. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, I can sit there and get some bry <clears throat> together. Ah, uh, no idea what you're talking about, but I hopefully I will. Bry? Oh, it's so, like barbecue, but the uh, way they do it. Okay. It's fantastic. Okay. okay. So, guys, uh, we have a really cool topic. Um, I'm just really excited about it. And I'm going to tell y'all, man, I'm not excited about every topic. Oh, I think that they, we do. I think, right? I think the audience knows that. Like, some episodes are like some episodes are just like yeah you know this was okay yeah um and uh you know we got it out and i think it's helpful and uh that's great and then it reflects in like the the views and downloads yeah. stuff it's like mm-hmm. yeah that's what i thought <laughs> um but this one yeah i'm man. actually legitimately excited i think it's because it really uh, gave perspective yeah man it just um it confirmed a lot of stuff that i that i thought true True, but I didn't have like the the information and the words to like break it down and, mm-hmm. and explain it, um, and it taught me some new stuff as well. So um, yeah, man. Today we're talking about faith for exiles, which I actually have the book titled "Faith for Exiles," mm-hmm. um, which I just started. It's amazing. I'll read some stuff out of it on the episode, but um, this was based on <laughs> this was actually based on this book. Which is uh, "Live No Lies" by my boy John Mark Comer. Man, to him. amazing book. I'm like, couple I just started in. reading it today. I started reading it. It's dope. I'm it's trying to so get into good. reading, guys. So we're trying to get more reading. I'm trying to grow up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, leaders are readers. So yeah, get it in. Leaders are readers. Bars. Okay. Oh, that's not my. But bar. Uh, anyway, um, so in the "Live No Lies" book, he actually cites this article. Um, oh, that's right. Which is where this book comes from. Uh, the Barna Group, which is like the Christian version of Pew Research, they do a bunch of different societal research and they put out a bunch of different studies and, and articles, and things like that. But they're really cool. They have podcasts, which I listen to. David Kinnaman and uh, Carrie Newhoff have a great podcast. Oh, yeah. And so this article talks about young people, um, I think between 18 and 28. Really? Um, yeah. Just that whole group. 1829, I think, is the, is the group. Oh, wow. Um, and their, you know, their, their, like, journey in the, in the West, 
in Western culture mm-hmm. um, as far as like being Christians. And so um, it's just really interesting to see that a lot of those people call themselves Christians, but a very small percentage of them would be what they call resilient disciples, yeah. um, which is the term. They actually have four, four categories. And, and we'll put these, we'll probably put the graphic in the episode. I'm sure Josiah can do that. Um, put the, the screenshot of mm-hmm. the four categories, but you got um, four kinds of exiles. And, and let me just back up to yeah. explain what, the ex- what exile <laughs> means. So um, the book and the article talk about this thing called digital Babylon, hmm. which um, if you read the Bible um, with any, any amount of Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, Babylon is both a physical place and it represents kind of the worst of humanity. Mm. Um, in fact, I think there's a quote that I have. If I can find it, that would be great. If I can't, I apologize. No, that's fine. But, I think one of the uh, things is uh, yeah. uh, while you're looking for that, like Babylon is almost like a, couldn't like be summed up even like as a mindset, like the way yeah. that you think, the way that you view the world. Um, and it's almost like extremely like selfish in yeah. most ways. Yeah. So I found it. It says uh, Babylon of the Bible is characterized as a culture set against the purposes of God, mm. a human society that glories in pride, power, prestige and pleasure. Damn. Okay. What does that so, sound like? Well, <laughs> yeah. So it says Babylon is both a place and an archetype of collective human pursuits set in opposition to God. Wow. Okay. Well, so. So, yeah, so, um, and then you know the story of the Bible, the children of Israel were exiled in Babylon, Babylon right? right? So they found themselves in this culture that was opposite of theirs, that mm-hmm. was hostile to theirs, um, and a lot of them kind of assimilated to the culture, but mm-hmm. a very small amount of them stayed loyal to Yahweh, which is the story of Daniel right. and, and his friends, and, and you know, uh, Jeremiah talks about people in Babylon, sends letters to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, this idea of digital Babylon is what we are in now yeah. in, in the West, in that um, we live in a, a technological age that is just like insane. Bro, I, read, I, I can't keep quoting this book, <laughs> but I was just reading you know, the past two hours preparing for this, and it's just like we're the first generation that cannot rely on the wisdom of the previous generation to navigate technology. So oh, we have, didn't have it. We have nobody to look back to, to say, Hey, how'd you guys deal with this? Oh, wow. With all this technology, we're going to be the ones that they look that the future generation looks back on and say, how did they deal with this stuff? Jeez. Right. Which is really scary. That is scary. Cause right. Depending on how we handle it. Yeah. Because most, most human civilizations are able to like kind of look at the past and learn from the wisdom of their elders and mm-hmm. just keep passing it down. It's cut off here. Right. I mean, once Dang. you get to 2007, when the iPhone was invented, everything changed. The whole world changed. Dang. Um, that wasn't that long ago. No, not at all. I graduated. We graduated high school in 2007. So, That's um, insane. you also see a rise in anxiety, depression, uh, loneliness mm-hmm. increases 2007 onward, onward, right? Not a coincidence. Um, and so, yeah, we, we live in this digital culture, which is more dangerous than a physical one, right? Like we are, mm-hmm. we are in a, an empire, right? 
mm-hmm. but it's not like Babylon like knocking on your door like, hey, you know, you're right. It's even worse. Yeah, because it's it's super close. Yeah, it's literally it's in like our pockets all the time. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, man, it, it's crazy. And so uh, this quote that I got from the book says, "Screens disciple." So what that means is that literally, like people are discipled by screens in this generation, right? So wild. I just thinking about like, <laughs> all, and it's it's. This, I hope this is not a super tangent, but it's like when you think about. Um, when we watch movies about the future and like how uh, I just watched something like a couple of days ago where like they were literally like teaching children uh, how to read and do all stuff, but it wasn't a person. It was just, they were literally like watching a screen, learning how to be human. Um, and you just think about like screens disciple mm-hmm. and you think, oh, you know, back in the day, people were like, there's no way you can be discipled like without a person, like someone needs to do it for you or someone needs to teach you. But in this age, it's like, not really. You could literally use you can use anything other than a person to get them to know any information. And if you have enough power, enough money to get your message to the masses more often than the next person, then your message is going to be the one that goes the furthest. Yeah. And so here's a quote from the book, which is crazy. If a literal Babylon were around today, the internet would certainly be in the Imperial toolbox. Um, And insofar as we thoughtlessly consume whatever content comes our way, we'd be cheerfully participate, cheerful participants in our own colonization. (laughs) God. So like all the Netflix we consume, all the YouTube, all of everything, we are literally colonizing ourselves. Ourselves. (laughs) Like we're making it really easy for Babylon to, to colonize us. Take over. Yeah. Take over our minds. Right. Um, the idea of digital colonization, um, it's crazy. So it says pop culture is a reality filter. Websites, apps, movies, TV, video games, music, social media, YouTube channels, and so on increasingly provide the grid against which we test what is true and what is real. And so that's what it means when screens disciple us. They literally affect our perception of reality, of what's real. Um, and, and what we don't understand as you know older ish Christians (laughs) working with kids and the church probably is is struggling, still trying to figure out how to deal with this is that Mm -hmm. these kids are way more discipled by their screens than by us. Absolutely. Right. That is a huge reason why this podcast exists Mm -hmm. is because the fact that screens are discipling, we we have to compete. We have to make content that's going to be where kids are consuming it. it, which is on screens. Yeah. Okay. We can complain about screen time and these kids, all these attention spans and TikTok. It's not going down. It's, it's only going to get worse. It's not going okay? down. So you have to, you have to jump on it. Yeah. I think uh, you have to find ways to like, especially as Christians, like a way to invade the culture. So like yeah. you weren't just, we weren't just put here to, to just preach the gospel in the same way Jesus did when he was walking the earth. Like he said, you guys got to be um, as cunning as, as serpents. Yeah. So like, we are we are preaching the same gospel, but mm-hmm. we can't use the same, same tactics. No, there's yeah. no way. Um, <laughs> there was a time when we used not we, but people before us would use Bible tracks, and like they would literally like take these little cartoons, hand them out to people. People were supposed to read them, and it would be like, oh wow, that's crazy. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't think about life like that. I just finished reading a book um, by uh, Randy Alcorn and. The book was written in like two thousand, like two thousand four, pre two thousand seven. Yeah, and literally, like they talked about this guy got a Bible track and he just started thinking about man, I never thought about life in this way, mm-hmm. and um, the main character, and I was like, 
this like this I can never this would happen. never work right yeah. now. Like not a chance. Yeah. Having somebody a Bible track. I mean, even if it was the most dope art you could think of, <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't even compete with uh, with screens. Yeah. So we have to we have to stop complaining mm-hmm. and we've got to start using the tools. Absolutely. Because like they say in the book, technology is not bad in and of itself. Um, there is a lot of good things that come out of it. It's amazing that we have the ability to learn information instantly. Yeah. Like I don't have to go ask somebody mm-hmm. if I'm watching something. I'm like, I wonder where have I seen that actor before? Boom. Okay. That's cool. Oh, like, yeah. mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's just, I'm I watching Marcos Mexico. I can be like, Oh, is this what happened? Like, oh, <laughs> no, it really oh. did happen in this you know? way. Yeah. And so, yes, I watched Marcos Mexico. Kind of yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's just, it's just insane. Even the fact that I watched Marcos Mexico, and yeah. I mean, just it, all of pop culture, all of the stuff that we consume, the idea of FOMO. Bro. I mean, like we we live in a culture that requires you and pressures you to be up to date, yeah, and know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you're looked at as well, you don't you yeah. haven't heard of that? You haven't seen yeah. that, bro? Squid Games? <laughs> we were not gonna watch it. We just weren't. We were just like, oh, it looks okay. That was a little crazy. Whatever. And then it's like everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Everyone's watching it. All the memes are coming out. I'm like, I want to know why this is funny. Yeah, I, I want to get it. But I haven't watched it yet. Bro. <laughs> I mean. But I know it's coming. I know it's going to take the time. I'm like, dang, okay, I'm way behind. But but that's it's so crazy how like th- this peer pressure yeah. that I feel. That's, that no one's actually putting on no, you. No, but we literally took hours out of our life and watched this thing. Hours. Yes. Hours. I think every minute, every episode's like forty minutes. Mm-hmm. And listen, it was good. It's, the ending wasn't great, <laughs> but uh, it was. I get it. I was like, oh, okay, I get why mm-hmm. this is a hit. Um, but it's just this idea that we have to constantly be like, you know, keeping up and like yeah. knowing what's happening and consuming the latest thing is is discipleship. It is. It's not good discipleship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we are exiles in Babylon. Um, in this digital Babylon. And so, uh, the book and the article highlight four types of exiles, right? Okay. So, um, you've got prodigals slash ex-Christians. That's 22%. So, mm-hmm. 22% of people, yeah, 18 to 29, um, would classify themselves in that category. And then, uh, you've got 30% are called nomads slash unchurched. So, like, they grew up in church. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not a part of a church. Gotcha. They're, they're kind of journeying. They're not, they're not part of it. They're unchurched. It doesn't mean they're not Christian, mm-hmm. but they're not going to a church. So, in the part so of the all church. of these identify as Christian? Mm, the prodigals, very few of them do. Okay. Right, yeah. Um, and then the other two groups are 38% are called habitual churchgoers. These people regularly, weekly attend <coughs> a church. Mm-hmm. They're the largest group. And then 10% are called resilient disciples. Now, I hate to use the term real Christians, <laughs> but that's essentially what this is saying. Yeah. That only 10% of people who claim to be Christian are actually Christian. following, actively following Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Consistently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. one of the things is, I think that's, that's one of the differences between like the habitual church mm-hmm. goer and the resilient disciple is like 
even after I mess up, even after I go through a traumatic experience, like I'm still like pushing forward to to look more and more like Jesus, I guess. Yeah, man. Sense. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this there's a couple of quotes that I pulled out. Um and so question, what do what do okay, what do people even mean when they call themselves Christian? Mm. Because we have to we unfortunately we have to ask that question. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. I mean I my students say all the time. Yeah, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm like, are you? Are you? Because uh, um, Hebrew says like God disciplines his children. Listen, <laughs> I mean, you have to be adopted into the family first. Yeah. And that only comes through faith in Jesus. So, um, and you showing acting like a child of God. Uh, <laughs> and so two thirds of this group of 18, 29 year old, two thirds of them identify as Christian. Wow. Right. But only 10% of them. Well, I will get to how they calculate that in a second. Okay. Um, here's a quote from the article. The vast majority of resilient disciples and habitual churchgoers use phrases like a Christian or a follower of Jesus when describing their faith to other people. More than half of nomads mm. and even some prodigals also appear comfortable using these self-descriptions. Wow. Okay. So That's more than crazy. half of people who are unchurched nomads they're kind of just in between <clears throat> churches and mm-hmm. they just watch church online at home yeah and this is by the way i gotta point this out this is before the <clears throat> pandemic this is 2019 this is Whoa. pre-pandemic this book is so pre-pandemic. all these numbers so are- ima- <laughs> i mean imagine where we're at now that's that's got that's yeah. insane um and it's so crazy even like the pre-pandemic just, uh, 2019 was a vastly different world than it is now than what we're living in right now absolutely absolutely crazy. I mean, even when you think about like just listening, hearing that quote, and thinking about the majority of people who who were Christians mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, yes, who may have even been habitual mm-hmm. ch- habitual churchgoers. Yeah, imagine being a habitual churchgoer and your church can no longer meet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wonder, do you count like how many people from the nomads go over into the habitual churchgoer category? Mm-hmm. If I regularly watch online Mine. church, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh yeah so if you're at home like i never go to church in person but now it's online i might as well like tune in yeah but or like the people who were regular churchgoers and the pandemic happens they physically can't go so Mm -hmm. they just get used to watching church online so now a lot of people have not come back that's true a lot of them have they don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be so do they count as habitual churchgoers or nomads at that point I would I would love for uh, Brandon to do this again. Yeah, I'd love for a follow up uh, study with pandemic uh, information. That would be crazy. Um, yeah, man. I think it gives us good insight on um, at least for for us as like uh, youth workers mm-hmm. uh, to just be to be mindful of like w- even where our students like fall, like which category they fall in. Not to like put them in boxes, but to mm-hmm. say, okay, how can I like I can't reach the the nomad non church non unchurch person the same way i'm going after the resilient yeah. disciple like it's exactly. not going to work like it's going to be if i come at the resilient disciple with like bro what the heck bro like you missed like three sundays in a row da, da, da. Mm-hmm. they're going to probably be like ah oh, bro like i'm so sorry but if you did that to the unchurched they're going to be like all right i'm out <laughs> like you know what i'm saying like I'm you, already out <laughs> there's zero point oh. for me to be here and if you're going to if you're going to have to grill me in this way like i don't I don't feel like this is going to help, so I'm so, not going to stick around. Very interesting. So uh, last Monday, a week ago, mm-hmm. um, with the middle school kids uh, at Flipside, oh. John and I, I, I told John about this, um, and I said, hey, what if we 
told them? What if we gave the kids the same survey? Oh, no way. So we did. And uh, it was interesting. What? It was very interesting. Um, and I'll talk about what questions we ask, and we'll show the questions. That would be, bro, you got to give me that so I can do it. To yeah. Group. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we made a Google form, and uh, we we brought the kids into the main sanctuary, and we said before we, me and John did like a, a joint like kind of talk to the mm-hmm. kids. So before we did that, we put up this link, tiny URL, and said, hey, go to here, answer these questions. It's totally anonymous, mm-hmm. so please answer truthfully. And they did. You know what I'm saying? That's incredible. Um, and I can't remember a lot of the numbers off the top of my head, but it was essentially like uh, most of them were. Well, let's just look at the question because it'll make more sense <laughs> if I this is if crazy. I go there. So let me let me sh- let me talk about the uh, the the survey as where they got these these numbers and stuff. So oh yeah, um, there's a top part, and we only use the bottom uh, four questions. Okay, so okay, the top part. Uh, it's kind of the starting point. It says, right now, what religious faith do you consider yourself to be? And so they only took the results of people who answered Christian. Okay. okay gotcha. That's where all these come from. Um, and then they, there's a question that says, which of the following phrases best fits how you would describe your faith to others, completely or mostly? Um, and so there's two. There's a follower of Jesus and a Christian. Mm-hmm. So uh, 0% of prodigals, Right. Uh, they, they don't have any numbers for them actually. Mm-hmm. Here, um, 61% of nomads said they would they're a follower of Jesus, uh, and 58% said they're a Christian. 79% of habitual churchgoers said they're a follower of Jesus. 81% said a Christian. <laughs> 97% of resilient disciples said they're a follower of Jesus, and 95% said they're a Christian. Now, uh, let's go to the actual survey questions here. Okay. And they only took the people who answered strongly agree. Right. So what we did with this, with it was we had strong disagree, disagree, neutral, agree, strongly agree. Mm-hmm. So there's five answer choices. Right. Right. And so here's how they got these numbers. So the first question, I believe living in relationship with Jesus is the only way to find fulfillment in life. 21% God, of dramatic. the nomads answer strongly agree. You know they said call themselves Christian. Forty nine percent of habitual churchgoers. How much? Less than half. How do you sit in church week <laughs> in week <laughs> out habitually and be like, Jesus is the only way to fulfillment in life? I don't strongly agree with that. That's wild. That is wild. Okay, eighty nine percent of resilient disciples. So about nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, second question: My relationship with Jesus brings me deep joy and satisfaction. 25% of nomads strongly agreed. 48% less, okay, for the habitual churchgoers. 48% less than half. Again, like, where are we going like, with Like, what is going? happening, bro? What y'all doing? How are we going backwards? Uh, and then 90% of Brazilian disciples said they strongly agree with that. Okay, 9 out of 10 again. Um, following Jesus shapes my whole life, body, mind, heart, and soul. 24% of nomads, we got over 50%. 51% of habitual churchgoers said they strongly agree. 88% of Brazilian disciples, 8 out of 10, almost 9 out of 10. Last one, my relationship with Jesus impacts the way I live my life every day. This was 23% of nomads, again, f- less than half. I feel like the 49%. nomads are, The nomads are literally, they're literally like, they're consistent. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, least, they, they didn't switch up. Yeah, they not switched mm-hmm. up. But these are but habitual, these habitual <laughs> church goers, man. I'm sad by that. Yeah. 86% of Brazilian disciples uh, strongly agree with that. So, again, 8 out of 10. Okay. That is something. So, that's, so, so that last number, they add those up, and that's how they get 10% of people who claim to be Christian in this age group are actually resilient disciples because they answer, they strongly agree with these questions. Yeah, okay. Right, so that's how they get makes the, sense. those numbers. So it's it's really troubling, man. It's it's just like, um, now, the cool thing with the, when we did this with, our, with the youth was like, okay, guys, like, this actually helps us um, know where you guys are at mm-hmm. and know how to serve you and know right. how to, like, okay, like, at what level and like, at what intensity to... Yeah, like, yeah. How, okay, there's, there's, I think it was only like 28 to 30% strongly agreed on these questions. Oh, wow. Okay, so like, yeah. Yeah. Um, a quarter, a quarter to maybe a third, yeah. less than a third of you guys strongly agree with this stuff. Or we would be considered resilient disciples. Most of them either were neutral or just agreed... A couple of them disagreed. No okay. way. A, a couple people disagreed. They're like, eh, I don't know about that. Dang. Jesus. That like, is so interesting. So bro. I can't wait to like understand this. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, like this tells us what we need to do, what we need to talk about, what we need to focus on, what we need to teach you guys mm-hmm. to help move some of you From, over into the strongly agree category. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so we were just like, okay, this is really helpful, really insightful. Um, but also really like, dang, this what we've been yeah. doing. It can, it, <laughs> I feel like it could be really disheartening. Yeah, um, just thinking. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in a sense, yes, it's disheartening, but it's it's almost one of those necessary like yeah. pains that you have to go through. Yeah. Like if you if you didn't do it, then you would just continue to think, oh, mm-hmm. we're all our everybody's okay. on the right, everyone yeah. on the right track, everyone's going the same direction. We are all in this boat together, yeah. and then you find out, oh wow, like some of you guys don't. Um, and even I don't know how you would do this, but like just figuring out who answered what to to whatever question, so that you can start. All right, we yeah. need to talk more about this, or what are your questions about this? Yeah, yeah, I think we could do some follow up surveys. Um, you know, what questions do you guys have, or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, I will make sure I say this: these were middle school kids, right? So these as they like as they get older, and eighth graders, and because of the pandemic, they're like fifth and sixth graders. <laughs> like mentally, they're very uh, yeah. immature. But um, but those questions aren't like super, no complex. No, but I think even though they're not super complex, mm-hmm. but I mean, especially for like middle school kids, um, you know, believing that Jesus is your whole life in the seventh grade is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you rare. answer strongly agree, I mean, it's either I mean, it's one of two things: either yes, either you are legitimately you believe that, or, or someone like, taught you to to say right, that this is the right church answer. Which exactly. I was afraid going, and I was like, I feel like they're all just kind of say strongly agree because they feel like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was anonymous, I yeah, think and gave I, said, I stressed, guys, listen, we are not going to know who, who said, said what. what. Please answer, yeah, like truthfully how you actually believe and Absolutely. feel. Absolutely, um, I would love to do it with high school kids, dude, because I think, yeah, I think they would need that. Would be I think even in really high school. Telling. Even starting the identifying as a Christian, because even when I think about my youth group and the students that I work with, um, if I'm honest, well, I don't know. I can't I, unless I do a survey, I wouldn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's only maybe like three to five students who would even claim to be Jesus followers or Christians. Mm-hmm. If they had the option to choose between being a Christian 
um, being a being a Jesus follower, being a Christian, or being a habitual church goer, I'm pretty sure they would just choose church goer. Wow. Yeah, and it's not because they don't know who Jesus is; or they don't like love Jesus. It's just, I think it's just like new for them. So they're still trying to figure out, like, okay, yeah, because we last Saturday, or no, two Saturdays ago, um, like four of our students gave their life to Jesus, but I don't, they didn't really fully understand. They understood like that their life wasn't going the right way, and they wanted a change, and they were like, Jesus gives me hope for that change. So they said yes, uh, but understanding like more of what that entails of saying yes to Jesus means they give up your whole life. Like they're not fully aware yeah, of what they, they just gotta, said yeah, yes to. Jesus always says, "Count the cost." Yeah. So um, this is also interesting uh, from the book. Um, in a recent study to examine uh, the what, when, and how of faith sharing in the age of screens, six out of ten millennials, so it's not Gen Z, it's mm-hmm. our, our generation, honestly, um, told us that technology and digital interactions make me more careful about how and when I share my faith, 58%. Wait, read it again? So, um, technology and digital interactions make me more careful about how and when I share my faith. So, because we're using technology and social media, yeah. I'm, I'm like, mm, I don't know if I want to share my faith. Yeah. 58% said okay. that. Okay. This one. I could probably agree People with that. are more likely now than in the past to see me as offensive if I share my faith. 61%. I would say. Okay. I would say yes. That I believe that's true. Yes. But I, I believe it's true because people don't know how to share their faith. So it's like, how do I put it? Showing the love of God to someone and showing how God's like changed your life. I don't think that's offensive to anyone. I think the way that we share our faith is what really becomes offensive. It's like saying, even though it's true, but like just like flat out saying like Jesus is the only way to God. And if you don't choose Jesus, you're going to hell. Okay, yeah, that's offensive. <laughs> like, it's true. I agree. But it's offensive. Yeah. But at the same time, if I love you, I have to tell you that. But I don't have to, I don't have to be so aggressive in that tone. Well, here's the thing. And this is the last thing I'm going to say before we take a break. Is the first thing you said as far as, like, what Jesus has done in my life, mm-hmm. I think the culture is fine with that. Mm-hmm. They'll say, oh, that's cool. That's your truth. That's good for uh, you. That's great. I'm glad whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. Do you. That's cool. The second part. That's like you said, that's offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because it's not a general statement, that's part of why they don't want to claim to be a Jesus follower oh, or a Christian. They want because it's like, that's going to be offensive. Mm. Oh, you're a what? Like, well, hold on. Don't you guys believe X, Y, and Z? Right. That's offensive. Wow. You can't do that. That's true. So that's, that's probably where the hesitancy comes. Yeah. And that's millennials. Not Gen, Gen Z is probably higher. Yeah. Right, might be eighty percent where they're like, oh, I don't know about calling myself that, because then people are gonna think I'm offensive. Yeah, I can, and being able to, which is the truth, and we'll get into this after our break, but like being able, number one, as a Christ follower, as a Jesus follower, being able to befriend people who are not Christians, I think that's even a hard thing to do, because Christians normally, especially if you're like, <laughs> which I find really funny. When you become a Christian, most people go through this like really resilient phase, like or um, a really like zealous, zealous. phase, mm-hmm. and they're just like, which is great, but without knowledge, it's terrible. So annoying. So, <laughs> so people are just like super gung ho Jesus, um, which is fantastic, but like telling everyone on your block about Jesus and just telling like just giving them the whole like believe in Jesus or go to hell speech, like 
that's not the way Jesus ever did it. You know what I'm saying? Like at least not to non-believers. Like he would talk about hell to to mm. to the to the people, but his main focus was like, I want you to know that I care about you as a person. Like I care about you and I love you as a person. The alternative of not choosing me is terrible, but I'm just letting you know, like I'm here to help. Even if you don't choose me. So I think about the rich young ruler. He was like, the rich young ruler comes up to him and says, hey, like, how do I inherit eternal life? And he's like, yeah, just sell all your, or you just got to like do all these things. And he's like, yeah, I've done these since I was a kid. And he's like, yeah, basically, but there's only one thing that like you love more than me and it's your stuff. Yeah, but the rich you ruler would count as a believer, right? So, oh, he, yeah, he would identify yeah, as a so believer. So I think it's interesting. This is the last thing we'll say before we go to break. <laughs> um, it's interesting that, and, and reading this John Mark Comer book, I think it's got to get to the point where we are okay with being offensive to an extent. Yeah. Because Jesus was very offensive. True. He was. He just was. He just, he said a lot of people try not to say this or point to this, but he talks a lot about sin. Mm-hmm. He doesn't shy away from it. No. He makes it very clear where the line is. This That's is true. wrong. If you do this, you're going to be thrown out. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. Like he's just he doesn't hold back on those things. I think he balances it with ridiculous compassion. Yeah. And that's the piece that I think we're missing. We could be that's offensive good. if we were super, super compassionate like we're yeah. supposed to be. If we were as offensive as we are compassionate, yes. I think people I would think rock with that's us. That's the part that, ooh, that's that good. most of the early church was like, people would just be like, man, those Christians are weird, but dang, they're nice and generous. <laughs> they, we yeah. kind of hate them, but it's hard Dogs to say anything like, bad about because they're just so <laughs> darn nice. Yeah. That's the part that we're missing. I Absolutely. I believe yeah. that. Okay. Uh, let's take a break, and we got more to come. I love this topic. <laughs> hey, guys. What's up? Uh, this is an ad, so bear with us. Don't skip it. Um, guys, we have a Patreon. We've been talking about it for a long time. Um, we would love some more of your support. Okay? If you get anything out of this podcast, any gems, any like good information, knowledge, you, you, know, you feel uplifted and encouraged, Please think about supporting us on Patreon. Become one of our patrons, man. We want to expand this thing, make this even better than it is right now. We have, you know, done a lot of renovations out of our own pocket. So, guys, like, please think about becoming a patron. Yeah, because your support goes a long way. It'll help us uh, continue to upgrade our cameras, our computers, our everything that we do here. Uh, but we literally can't do it without you. So if you feel led to, please support us um, through this platform and continue to support us as we continue to grow and give you better content. Thanks guys. Love you. See ya. All right. We are back from our break. Uh, I want to quickly shout out our boy, Sean Samuelu. Uh, he's been, he's a friend of the pod. Oh yeah. He had me up at five 30 in the morning (laughs) to play basketball. Had a great time. They're doing it, uh, this week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Greer's going to come, I think, one of the other days. At He's 5 a.m.? 5.30. I woke up at 4.50. I've been up since 4.50. Good I'm Lord. Starting to feel it. Um, and I want to shout out um, our friend uh, Aaron Munoz, who started a new podcast. My guy. Called Creative Culture. Culture. Yeah. Which is dope. I love Sean it. Sean is actually one of their guests. The episode's coming out soon. Nice. Um, we would love to link up. And we've been kind of talking on, on the socials. Yeah. You know, hey. doing that whole, like... It's not real communication. <laughs> we need to actually communicate and hang out and like get to know each other. Him and um, his homie Nemo. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
we appreciate you guys and see what y'all doing. Yeah, you guys are dope. Impressed that way bigger than us. I'm yeah. sure. The word, very soon. Just where you're um, starting is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're they're already dope. They already have audiences separately, so coming yeah. together, it's it's gonna be cool. But that's tight. We see what y'all doing. We love it, and uh, we support y'all. We have fans for life over here. Let's go. So, uh, continuing uh, our topic. Um, oh man. yeah, let's talk about these resilient disciples. Yeah, man. So, a couple things. Um, so I have on our notes here, making Christians versus making disciples. Because one question I thought when I first saw this was like, so why is it like this? Mm-hmm. Like, what what has led to this? Um, how do we get here? How come only 10% of people who call themselves Christians are resilient disciples? Yeah. Would answer strongly agree to those questions, which are very important questions. questions that, These aren't just some random questions. Yeah. Those things are really important. Um, and I think it's because... The Western church, the modern Western church is, I don't know if they're more concerned with or more preoccupied, or it's just simply easier to make Christians Mm -hmm. instead of disciples, which is what we are called to make. Exactly. We're called to make disciples. (laughs) But instead we make Christians. Yeah. And and there's a difference there. There Because unfortunately today, in our world today, we have to define what do you mean by you're a Christian? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people are clearly calling themselves that, but are not. But they're not. They're not disciples. So like, a th- yeah. Which is, I guess it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to break down the. It's not hard to break down the difference, but in your mind, like when you say, if someone said, "Oh, I'm not a Christian," you would, I would just say, "Oh, wow, you left the faith," because my idea of a Christian is a real Christian. But if someone else is like, I'm not a Christian, and they or someone said they're not a Christian, in this day and age, I would have to like pause and be like, what do you mean by that? Because mm-hmm. it could be I, I no longer associate with the gender, the gender, <laughs> the general broad understanding of what the world thinks as a Christian, and I'm going more deeper into being a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I actually had a conversation with Emma. Shout out to friend of the pod, Emma hey. Tucker, about this probably a year ago, maybe a little less than that, but like. There's certain places where you don't call yourself a Christian because there's too much ambiguity. There's too many people like mis- misusing the term. Absolutely. So you, I'd rather come myself with a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But there's also certain parts of the country where you need to call yourself a Christian because the term is just not used. Exactly. And so we kind of have to either reclaim the term Christian or abandon it. And just go with disciple or follower of Jesus, like in our own personal life. I think it's just in gen, just in as a as a as a collective of of believers. I think we've either got to like try to work really hard to like. Fight and this is actually something related to what we're going to talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man, I I just feel like we're worried about making churchgoers. That's why I think yeah. habitual churchgoers is the largest category. Yeah, because it's way easier. Because it's easier to make a churchgoer. Than a disciple of Jesus. Absolutely. One of the things that is profoundly, I don't know what to say, it's profoundly easier to say, hey, come to my church. Someone mm-hmm. likes the vibe of your church. Mm-hmm. They enjoy the music. They enjoy the 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 sermons. Yes, if they're even easier in a sermon, like they mm-hmm. enjoy the I almost like the the self help that they can get from mm-hmm. what they hear and being good. a better person. Mm-hmm. That's easy. 
Mm-hmm. Getting I can into the part of this like club or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have access to you know these things, and they help me get better. Feel good. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna reciprocate that. Like, don't ask me to do anything. Mm-hmm. I just want to come mm-hmm. and receive. Mm-hmm. The moment you're like, hey, like you've been here for 18 years, man. You thinking about uh, joining know? a ministry? <laughs> Would you like to serve in this department? Then it becomes like, Ugh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah. And I think one of the issues with that is the reason that that it's even an issue is because we bring people to church and we don't mm-hmm. bring them to Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And yeah, that's that sucks, man. Because we've we've been saying like recently, I said it in my sermon. Patient talks about it in in TG. Um, we we are not trying to invite people to TG. We're trying to invite them to Jesus. Like mm-hmm. the number one thing you got to do. I said this in my sermon. Um, I've got to preach you Jesus, and then if you want to come to TG afterwards, yeah, cool. If you want to go somewhere else, cool. cool. Yeah. Like there, the goal is not to get you to be part of this church. Mm-hmm. You should be part of the church. Absolutely. Right? Which is people who are disciples of Jesus. So, um, but like you said, man, it's, it's, I don't blame churches necessarily because in America, in the West, you got to survive financially. Yeah, financially. You got to survive. We need people mm-hmm. to come and to give. Yeah. And so making disciples is difficult. Yeah. It is hard. Because it requires discipline, where the word comes from. But also, it requires you as the leader to trust that God is going to be the one to supply um, mm-hmm. the needs of the church. Because if you are to say, I'm trying to make disciples, and you invite someone to a relationship with Jesus, and they're like, hey, that's super dope, um, and I want you to disciple me, but I don't want to go to your church. Could you disciple me while I go to this church that's closer to my house? Or can I go to this church that like I have some friends? But I like you as a person. Um, I want like I I trust like you're teaching me the right way. Does that's th- interesting. Yeah, like do you do I, I have to I be taught? That's such a weird. So you like me? You want me to disciple you? Why don't you come over here where I'm at? Like well, otherwise, about find this, somebody over there who's gonna disciple you. But think about this. Um, think about your old church, where you were. Uh, you could have clearly you you could have clearly discipled someone even while you were going to your old church. But would someone be down to go to your old church? No, so come to ours. I don't, I don't understand. I'm like, so when I think about this, I have some, um, I have some students who want to. They want to go to church. They're down to go to church. They visited my church and were like, I don't know if I could do this. And I'm like, What you mean? He's like, Well, you, you know, there's this. I like this part was not. I didn't like this part. I don't like this part. And I was like, all right, that's cool. But it was like, but I still like you. And I still mm. like understand like where you're coming from. And I like, okay. so like, can we still kick it? But I don't really want to go to your church. And I was like, okay. I mean, that's totally fine. I think fine. that's fine. Yeah. I, I personally think the superior priority is discipleship. Absolutely. So as long as like you're being discipled, I think becoming part of a church, family and community um, should take care of itself. Yeah, um, I guess that's what you know what I'm saying. Of. Yeah, so because as, as even if you don't start immediately going to a church, yeah. which is I think this is kind of like the disservice and almost what actually helps make Christians rather than disciples is like that's all one choice. Normally, when you mm-hmm. go to a church and you give life to Jesus, you the next step the next is step is to a become a member of this church. Mm-hmm. So it's like I want to give my life to Jesus. Okay, cool. You know, we'll we'll teach you how to like submit your life to the Lord. 
And then automatically, all right, now you're a member of this church. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess it's like, members class. since I yeah. gave my life here, I might as well. But mm-hmm. that's not like a, that's not a, that's not the way that it has to be. Yeah. You know, someone can get the life of Jesus and be like, I'm not down with church yet. Like, well, I mean, think about, think about this. How many churches have a system in place to disciple people? Right. Because uh, it's like, okay, you, you, you answer the call to give your life to Jesus. You come to the front, <coughs> come to the front, however it's done, you know, everybody buy it, whatever you do, yeah, whatever you do. Like, right. And maybe you get baptized. Okay. How many churches have a system in place where like there is a person mm-hmm. who like now I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to do life with you. Life with you. Yes. Regularly, consistently. Mm-hmm. We're going to meet. We're going to talk. I'm going to teach you. Yeah. Right. That's what not just, Jesus Not says. just like biblical. Teaching them. Yes. Right. All. Mm-hmm. Teaching, teaching them all. all. Not teaching just them. not just Bible stuff, but like not just the church uh, bylaws <laughs> or, or, you know, doctrine. Mm-hmm. No, no, like I'm not here to, t- to train you to be a member of this church. No, I'm here to teach you about how to follow Jesus. Absolutely. That takes a lot of time. And I think that's the reason why yes. it's not happening. Yes. <laughs> I mean, imagine if I think about this, how many, number one, how many people would sign up? How many, <laughs> how many resilient disciples would even sign up to say, yes, I would like to disciple be a, d- d- disciple someone. Because even in our, if I think about this, number one, like how many people do you want me to disciple? And like, what does that consist of? And I think a lot of churches even ha- haven't even had the opportunity to have the conversation because we've all been in like survival mode or mm-hmm. sustaining mode to yeah. where if I ask someone to do this, like how are we going to, that's, that's a lot. Like it, it's a huge ask. Um, I think I, I really believe that the, the, the structure of the church would have to fundamentally change. Yeah. And be this would have to be the main focus. It couldn't be it couldn't be Sunday gathering. Yeah. It couldn't be that that could that's a priority. We're gonna do that. Mm-hmm. But I think the main focus of the church would have to be training mm-hmm. people to disciple people. Yeah. Right? Identifying, okay, I mean like this is what we do, guys. Okay, you come here, you give out to Jesus, we just you've been discipled. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're gonna train you on how to do this. We're gonna have a system in place where you get maybe a maximum of 10 people mm-hmm. that you are going to disciple and you do it. It maybe it's a two, three year process. True. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Maybe I mean, some you, of your students could graduate tech yeah. quote unquote, uh-huh. uh, in a year. Some of your students yes. may take the whole three years mm-hmm. and may not take longer. Life. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but then those people get trained mm-hmm. and they do it. And so you have a whole church of people of disciples discipling, mm-hmm. right? But the structure of the church right now is everything's focused on Sunday gathering, however many services you have on Sunday, mm-hmm. and there's some ministry opportunities throughout the week. You know, you have midweek, you have youth service, you mm-hmm. have children's, you have those different things. Maybe you have different other ministries that pop up, but there is no time. For discipleship, right. we don't have time for that because the Sunday is is taking up a ton of time and resources and energy mm-hmm. and focus. And so, dang, and you still got to go to work. Yeah, if I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. Like all these people who are going to your church, like I got, I don't have time to disciple anybody during the week. Mm-hmm. I got work, so like we gotta and I got to kids. Cr- I got different things. I, weekends are all I have. Mm. So let me try to cram in all mm-hmm. the lessons, not just like lessons about discipleship, but like. 
lessons on Jesus, lessons, and then even at the same time, trying to teach the God or trying to preach the gospel to where more people could say yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of us can get stuck in in one or the other. Like you either get stuck in like a hardcore discipline discipleship church where they're they're trying to teach you how to be disciples, or you get stuck in a really evangelistic gospel where like everyone gets saved every Sunday, but then there's really nothing after there's that. Not a lot of follow up. There's not a lot of follow up. Yeah. So I've those are the two that I've seen. Um and I feel like as a church we gotta figure out how to navigate that. But even more so as a as a resilient disciple, like we gotta be able to deal with that on our like in our own level. Mm-hmm. So as I'm even thinking about these statistics, I think about I mean it's hard not to think about my students uh, in my youth group and I'm just like how many of them have I like really invested time in that wasn't that was planned because a lot of times this is what happens it's like uh, one of our students is staying with us this weekend due to circumstances not because I invited him to stay with us so if I'm like being mindful the next time I can say hey bro like next weekend or in two weeks bro I want you to stay at my house again and then be intentional about teaching him about life teaching about Jesus um, and then teaching him like the importance of the decision he made two weeks ago about giving his life to Christ. If I do that, then I am no longer making him a church goer. I'm literally making him a follower of Jesus to where he yeah. can make his own decisions yeah. in the future. Really trying to cultivate his relationship with Jesus and his, his reading of the word. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, man, I, 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 I'm, as I'm just processing this, I'm really thinking like this stuff needs to be different in order to make disciples. And it's not easy. Uh-uh. And I think, yeah, I mean, like, are people going to be giving? Um, do you use the building for this? Is mm. this done in people's homes? Does this kind of... Man. This lowers the building's importance, right? That's true. Um, you're still meeting on Sundays. You're still gathering on Sundays. And this is something that we've talked about with, with TG as far as um, um, the small groups. That's that's a mm-hmm. It's going to be a huge... Sunday is just kind of like a celebration culmination of what's been done throughout the week absolutely which i think is a step in the right direction um but uh yeah man this this idea and so i think this kind of explains how you get 38 percent of people just being habitual churchgoers versus and then just 10 percent being resilient disciples um in this in this digital babylon um okay so kind of moving forward here um, another reason why we have this situation mm-hmm. is because of the the empire that we're exiled in, um, of the West, of America, mm-hmm. of whatever. And it's this increasingly, I'm seeing that America wants the kingdom without the king. Mm. Um, and I don't care what side you're on, whether you're left or right, right. Um, the left wants, you know, this this progressive, uh, like like utopia, like promised land, like without God. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we you want, want you to paradise. be a good person. We want mm-hmm. you to be a better person. We want you to grow. But the way we want you to get there is by living your truth. Um, truth is relative. Do whatever feels right. Follow right. your desires. You know, don't repress anything. You could feel like you want to be identified as a donkey, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You just give in and just follow your heart and just do whatever. And we'll have a utopia. Yes. Yeah. Is- and, and it'll work. And, and honestly, in that sense, 
religion and faith in Jesus is hostile to that. Mm. We need to use it. That's get that out of here. Yeah. We don't need, and it's no very anti authority. Absolutely. There cannot be any source of authority because mm-hmm. all authority is suspicious. Traditions are suspicious. They're bad. Talk about this in the book. Um, there's just this whole, we can't trust anybody. Dang. Right? And on the right, it's, it's, it's even more deceptive. It's really dangerous. The right is even more dangerous to me because of this. The deception is no, we're Christian. We're evangelicals. Yeah. We submit to authority. We submit to authority. <laughs> we submit to God. But what they don't realize is that God, in their sense, is the country, is yeah. America, yeah. is their politics. <clears throat> Not even just the country, their politics yeah. version of the country. country. Exactly. And so they're not worshiping God. They're not worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping um, this creation that they, they call Jesus. They made him. Yeah. It's not God. It's not Jesus. It's not the God of the Bible. It's not Jesus of the Bible. Something. Um, yeah. <laughs> Golden calf. Something um, you created. So, and so they're calling that God. Mm-hmm. And they're worshiping that. And they're, they're following that. And they're so, but politics is their religion. Politics is actually becoming or has become its own religion I believe in this so. country, so which is really least. dangerous. And so <clears throat> they still they still want a kingdom without the king. Mm-hmm. They've made their own king. Yeah. Right. And it's not Jesus. Yeah. So I think both sides are equally destructive, equally dangerous. Um, and and I said this about the left, but I want to add this. There's this huge push about progressive Christianity. Oh, bro. And that is just as bad as what the right yeah. is doing. Where, oh, yeah, we're Christian, but we don't do <laughs> adhere to anything, anything that the Bible <laughs> says, about God says, but any of that. So we just like the love thy neighbor part. <laughs> and only when, they're neighbor, neighbor. only when our neighbor agrees with us. Mm-hmm. And we totally redefine love and all that yeah. stuff. But um, yeah. so that's where you get to uh, this point that I have here, which says cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. Which is this idea? Which is like one of the worst things. And I told I, we talked about this when we had our topic meeting. Like one of the benefits of persecution, and yes, there are benefits uh-huh. of persecution, is that it gets rid of cultural Christianity. Yeah, it gets rid of you know because it's either you you are or you aren't. Yeah, ain't there, no ain't no in between right there here. There are no lukewarm Christians in China. No one can trust you if you're lukewarm, mm-hmm. and you don't have the luxury of like. Eh, Maybe know about this. I'm kind of a Christian. Yeah. If you, oh, you're kind of a what? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, either you really bought, you're ready to die for this or yeah. you're not it at all because you don't want to die. That's crazy. So there's no lukewarm Christians in Iran. There's, there, oh, this yeah. doesn't exist. So, um, and that's because of persecution. Persecution gets rid of this cultural Christianity where, yeah. like, the example I got from, from John Mark Comer is that. You go to Iran or Iraq or Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia, any Muslim country, everybody's Muslim. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm a Muslim, of course. Mm-hmm. But they're culturally Muslim. Yeah. Do you like pray five times a day? Mm-hmm. Do you read the Quran? Do you, you know, do the five pillars of Islam? Do you dress the same? Do you not eat pork? No. Right. I don't do any of that. Yeah. But I'm, a, I'm of course, I'm a Muslim because everybody, like you said, everybody is. It's just yeah. part of their culture. You're not actually a resilient Muslim. Same with the Jews. Same thing with Jews. There's a ton mm-hmm. of Orthodox or a ton of like cultural Jews. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not like religiously Jewish. I'm, yeah. I'm Jewish though. But sometimes I do Yom Kippur. Sometimes I do this. Right. It's just, I still eat pork. It's very hit or miss. And so persecution gets rid of that. 
And mm. I think, unfortunately, I think the West and I think America is overdue for some persecution. Yeah. To kind of get rid of this whole, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you saw a survey, like a bunch of people, over half of, of nomads and even some uh, prodigals Goes, who are yeah. just like, I'm not a Christian. Even some of them are like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'd, I'd call myself that. That's got to go that's away because it's really confusing. Yeah, and not, a, not only that, uh, not only for the simple fact that other Christians don't know where you stand. Mm-hmm. Non-believers, non-believers are, like, are like, well, if you're a Christian mm-hmm. and he's a Christian and you live like this and, and he, he lives like, like that, that uh, I don't know if I want to be a Christian because I don't, I don't know. Or I can be like, oh, that's, I can do all that and still be called Christian. Okay, yeah. cool. And then you have a false sense of your, of your identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. So now you're thinking, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm going to avoid all the bad stuff because I said yes. That's why progressive Christianity is on the rise. Mm. Because they're like, oh, you can still basically do whatever you want. Yeah. And you're good. And it's like, nah, fam. Nah. The, the path is narrow, bro. Now, with that, I, I just learned this too, which is really cool. I've always thought of that, that, that when Jesus says the, the, the narrow path and few will find it, meaning like only a few of us are going to be saved. There's going to be a small number of people who get to heaven, Mm. which can still be the case. But what I think he's saying more is that the path to life is very specific. It's very um, rigid. It's not a wide, broad path. It's not a bunch of different ways to do Mm -hmm. it. This is is a set. um, I can't find the freaking adjective that I'm looking for. But uh, it's strict. Mm-hmm. You you can't go outside right the lane. Right. You have to do it this way. It's not the Hinduism all path leads to God. Got you. You can't. You, mm-hmm. This is this is it. It's if it's not Jesus, there's no other path. It's got very you. very it's narrow. One lane. Mm-hmm. One very way. Res- very restricted. It's not a two way highway. Yeah. One way. <laughs> That's it. So it's very restrictive. Mm. Um, and people don't want to hear that. Yeah. That's why Jesus says few are going to find it because it's right there. Yeah. They don't, I'm not going that. That's. That's, I need more choice. I need yeah. more freedom. Need more options. Yeah, here. I need more options. Yeah, I think that's and that's it's dangerous. It's good and it's dangerous because those who are who are on that narrow path, we can understand that this is an easier life, though it's hard. It leads to life. Yeah, the Broadway exactly. leads to destruction. Exactly. So for it's us, easier. it's like, yeah. oh, you know, when, the truth is, as a believer, I look at the Broadway often, and it's just mm-hmm. like, dang, it just. Seems so nice. Oh, and that person's actually saying they're a Christian on that broad road. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dang, yeah, it like, is, is it, is it okay for me to dabble over there for a little bit? Like, mm-hmm. can I rock both of them? As long as, okay, the road is going south, the road is going north, I'm going to go north too. Like, I'll be on the broad road, but I'm going to go north. And what Jesus is saying when he says, like, narrow is the way, it's like, you really can't get off of this. Like, it's either you take it all or you mm-hmm. stop walking. Um, <laughs> and that that's like the choice that we have. And I think with with cultural Christianity, it's almost, that's not almost, it's a distraction. It's literally a distraction to the broad way where God is, or the narrow way where God is leading us to, because it makes us want what digital Babylon is giving to us. Mm. And we like false, we fall um, prey to it because it, it gives into whatever, all the desires that we want to have. Mm. The desires that are good for us. Yeah. And Jesus literally tells us, no, those desires are not good. You have to suppress them and you have to like train your body Mm. To say no. Discipline your flesh. Yeah. Says. yeah. Discipline your flesh. It's so not that, easy. Yeah. To add to that, um, let me quote the book and then um, what we have in our notes here, which is from the article, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, it says, 
According to this person, loneliness, depression, and anxiety among teens has, have risen alongside widespread adoption of smartphones, um, as has fear of missing out. So many live depleted, shallow lives, huddled around their screens, consuming personalized content in a futile effort to fill the void. Oh, my God. Okay. And uh, this quote from the article says, it is easy to call oneself a Christian, but much less common to find deep joy in Jesus. Now, that's what these people don't understand. Yeah. Is that we're not we're not talking about, you know, you can call yourself a Christian, but you're not, you know, being restricted enough or, right. or being more, you know, self-righteous. No, it's about finding deep joy. joy in Jesus. That's what makes you a Brazilian disciple. Mm. The difference between everybody else and the Brazilian disciples is that they have realized that I'm going to be deeply unhappy without Jesus and hurt and empty if I don't become a deep resilient disciple. Mm -hmm. These other people, they're thinking, oh, I'm good. I can I can answer, you know, agree or disagree mm -hmm. to, you know, Jesus is the only way to find fulfillment in life. Right. And Jesus brings me deep joy and satisfaction. They're missing like they they're, they're looking at Jesus as like this like he just wants to cut out all the fun in my life. life. Yeah. He wants to make life not. <laughs> no, bro. You're going to not have anxiety and depression mm -hmm. and loneliness. Absolutely. You, I mean, you might have those chemically. Yeah. Those are issues. Mm -hmm. But like you have an answer. You'll have something that you can turn to. Yes. When to those feel things that come. come like mm -hmm. you're trying to, like you said, you're trying to fill the void with all this stuff, all this junk, all this. I mean, they call it an article digital clutter. And it's not right? helping. Yeah, man. So. Oh. Dang, that's so deep. Cause you, just the fact that, and this is not to like toot my own horn, but like there's moments where I'm like driving in the car and I'll be listening to a song and I'm singing, I'm good. And then like the end part where like it gets like super like personal about like whatever thing is going on um, and in the song and I'm like singing it over and over again and I'm like starting to like tear up and mm -hmm. I'm just like, dang, that was like God, like, geez, you've been there for your boy mm -hmm. like through like, crazy times and even when i did this like you still were over there with me and um you've got me to a point where i have like a family and i love my kids and i love my wife um i would do anything to protect her like all these type of stuff you you supplied that and i just want you to know right now i'm so grateful for you mm -hmm. to be in my life and you start like weeping yes with tears of joy not because yes. you're sad but you're extremely happy for a person you've never seen yes that's good i mean um, you just reminded me of this song I've been listening to and my wife showed me um, called Still God by Anna Golding. I think that's her name. And uh, there's this part where she just says over and over, you are who you say you are. And she just sings and she gets more intense and louder. Mm -hmm. She has an amazing voice. And that part gets me like teary eyed because yeah. it's like, yeah, God, like you really are who you say you are. I can trust, trust you. you. Yes. And this a huge part of this book live no lies john mark comer's book and and i also read this in another book by tim keller is that ever since the fall ever since genesis 3 we have inherited from our ancestors this lie that we can't trust god mm. so we have to be constantly mm. reminded that we can yeah because that's what the serpent said. You you basically saying you can't trust him. Yeah, he's he holding out on you. you. He's holding out on you. You can't trust him. And we there's a part of us, all of us, yeah, that believes that. that. Believes that. Mm -hmm. 
all the time. And so that's why there's, there's, Dang. why do you think there's thousands of songs that talk about how you can trust him? Because I need to be reminded all, all the time. time. I need to that's be reminded. No, 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 Jeff, you can trust him. Yeah. Stop believing that you can, you can trust him. I need another reminder. I need another, I need another song that says, you, he's faithful. You can, oh yeah. Yeah. That's why this, these songs always get to me because they speak to that part of me that, that doesn't want to believe that lie. That I can't. I can trust him. You, oh yeah, God, I can trust you. I remember my uncle. He's uh, he's running a uh, a youth camp, and at the end of the camp, he would he would just like ask all those, at least like the student leaders and the leaders, is like, "Have we ever done this camp?" And you've seen and you've doubted God, and then like got to the end of the camp and like seen like he was faithful the whole time. Like our worries, our doubt is what drove us to like do things that we thought. Oh, well, God, maybe he's not seeing this part. Let me go ahead and, like, you know, amp this up or, like, make this more hype. I mean, there was one time when um, we were trying to do, like, this little party thing, and they were playing Christian mu- Christian rap music. None of the kids were into it, so someone thought it was a good idea to, to play, like, secular music. And did it get the kids hyped? Yeah. But then they weren't able to listen through the rest of the night. Like, anything about God, it was like they just would not focus. And it was like, man, we tried our way. And... Because We've seen we the result, we didn't but we trust didn't trust him. God. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, cool. They're not listening to what we're saying, but or what the they're not cool with this party part. But if the next night we did something similar, and they were super attentive to the Word of God, because God knows what He's doing. Yes, <laughs> like He's seen this play out a hundred million times. Like yeah. He knows what He's doing. Let us trust Him. And I mm-hmm. find those moments, especially when I'm like singing in my car, singing in my car by myself. Just being like, just grateful that you, that he is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And he's never went back. And I think that's what makes, that's what like puts most people in the resilient mm-hmm. disciple portion. It's not, it's not necessarily they, they get credit. Exactly. They've just realized the truth that like, man, God is the only yeah. source of joy and fulfillment. Absolutely. And if you can't strongly oh agree with that. Well, then you're saying there's something not, else out there yeah. better than God. And it's not just that. Like, I feel sorry for you because oh. you're going to be you're going to be let down. Yeah. You're going to be disappointed. And so that's crazy. I can if I'm being 100 percent right now, I cannot think of a time that God disappointed me. Yeah. I mean, I can think of times where I've been disappointed, but then God shows me later or he yeah. comes through and he's like, no, I, I got you. But yeah. But you even need in those to moments, go through that. Exactly. Yeah, where you yeah, You yeah. understood like. Oh, you were trying to teach me this. Mm-hmm. You were trying to show yeah. me this. And then you're like, okay, okay. I was, I was upset at that moment, but mm-hmm. like, thank you for like helping me understand. And those are the moments where, I don't know, I, I can see myself just saying, I don't always understand what you're doing, but I can never question why you do them. Mm-hmm. Like everything you do is for me to like love you more and to understand, or not even understand, but to, just to really trust you in all of things in life. And uh, I'm hoping like that continues in my life forever. Like, I just want to be that type of Christian that's like, God, you are my everything all the time. Even when, I don't, when I'm not sure, you're still that for me. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so to wrap this up, two points. Um, number one, as, as leaders, as, as church leaders, as, as whatever we are, um, I think what you should take away from this article and this book is that we, the number one group that we need to first probably target is the habitual churchgoer. Mm. There are a huge group of people that are regularly coming to us. We've got to figure out how to move them 
over. Yeah, that's like got to be a huge priority for us, right? Um, and this book, I can't wait to read it. The rest of it because it talks about five ways for a new generation to follow Jesus in digital Babylon. So it's like these five practices that all resilient disciples do mm. that have helped them be able to be who they are and be these resilient disciples. Hey, wow. Um, and the last thing, I'll just read this quote from the article. It says, the first practice of resilient discipleship is one of the first five things uh, in digital Babylon is clearing religious clutter to experience intimacy with Jesus. That's part of the whole cultural Christianity. We've got we've to get rid of all the the nonsense that we think is is spiritual or religious or whatever or think is Christianity even though it's not mm. whether it's from the right or the left we got to get rid of that and what does the word of god say mm. and what is some sound theology doctrine that we can get to help us experience intimacy with Jesus that yeah. is the motivation right yeah. experience intimacy with Jesus so uh yeah guys i was just saying uh there's this one thing so uh, Jess and I, um, we did this like joint preaching thing, uh, last Saturday and a part of me was like, man, that's super weird. But after we were, it was over, it was really incredible, um, to witness. And one of the things that we were able to do is basically like talk, ask ourselves these questions that like normally people would give us answers to and they would give us like their own answer. But we started to do it like with the Bible. So like having a question about like, um, you know, what does God want for my life? I'm not sure what to do or I'm not sure what lane to run in. Um, and we talked about Proverbs chapter five, chapter four, verse five and six, where it says, lean not on your own understanding, uh, but in everything you do, acknowledge God and he will direct your path, basically tell you how to live mm-hmm. life. Uh, and we did like a series of questions like that. And I think this is where, it, where we're getting into uh, or where we've gotten into to, today about that that practice like removing the clutter is like when you have a question which is i don't know if i can recommend this or not but like if you don't have anyone to ask any christian to ask or any resilient disciple to ask that question to like ask google what does the bible say about this Hmm. you know and like read the bible like don't just take what google says or whatever your phone brings out on the internet find like find the scriptures and read those because this is literally god speaking through his word to Mm -hmm. you on a question and a topic that you actually have right now in your life. So we're trying to get our students to remove the clutter because they, mm. I mean, a lot of our students are into like astrology and zodiac signs and stuff. And now they're in this whole like, um, so stupid. <laughs> they're in this whole like urban dictionary thing where like you type in your name in urban dictionary and it like gives you like who you are as a person. And like some of oh, our students whoa. are not like that and they're like living into it now. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is not who you are. Well, I type my name in an urban dictionary. You're going to listen to urban dictionary over God. Anyways, oh, that's a goodness. totally different subject. But yeah, I'm just wild. like we, removing the clutter, uh, especially for youth workers. And I'm specifically talking to youth workers right now. It's it's to get students to read their Bibles mm-hmm. for themselves. I mean, you can read it along with them, but let them read the words like you don't have to always be the one to be reading it because then it just builds a dependency on you reading the Bible. You want them to read it for themselves so they can experience a true intimacy with Jesus. Amen. All right, guys. So uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, this is the last episode of 2021. So we will be back in 2022 to continue season four. Uh, Enjoy your holidays. Be safe. And uh, 
Learn, man. Learn some stuff. Read some stuff. Grow. Man, start reading, y'all. For yeah, real, man. start reading. It changes lives. Yeah, man. All right, guys. Enjoy. Take care. Love y'all. Have a good See one. See you on the next one. Peace.